HubSpot is widely regarded as the pound-for-pound pound best marketing automation and CRM tool out there. But goddamn, it can be expensive. So is it worth it? I talk about that with one of APAC's most accomplished HubSpot professionals, plus inflation. What impact is it having on marketing teams and budgets? All that and a whole lot more in this episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to another episode of Inbound Buzz. I'm Moby Sadiq and filling in for my regular co-host Tony is head of HubSpot Projects and a lot more actually at Red Pandas, <laughs> Mrs. Tasha's Del Bianco, is it? <laughs> you butchered my name. I did, but is it? Is it? It's Miss Hunter now, isn't it? Uh, not officially. The marriage certificate came in two weeks ago, but yeah, it's going to be Mrs. Hunter soon. Fair enough, yes. Fair enough. So you're off the market. So everyone officially is off the market. Officially off the market. Tash, it's it's been a long time since we've done. This is not the first time you've no, been on the podcast. It's not, but I've been a long term listener. So if anyone's listening, don't give up hopes. Maybe might just ask you to be on the podcast one day. But uh, yeah, no, I was on back in 2018, but I was much younger and less experienced in talking. So I'm very excited. So you want people to go back and listen to those? No, don't. don't okay. Don't, okay, don't awesome. do it. But so, I'm super excited to be here with you, Mobes, very much. Tash was a listener of the show before even being at Red Pandas. And I want to get to your journey as well, because I think that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, and we did. We recorded like three episodes in Boston for Inbound. Um, but let's kick straight into it. I'm really excited to talk to you about HubSpot and whether it's worth it and, and all the bells and whistles. Uh, but let's start with the news. Yep. So what's making news this week, Tash? Alrighty. What's the first one? Our first news buzz this week is Google is now informing advertisers about diagnostic issues that may be adversely affecting campaign performance. So, Mobs, what does this mean for us? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, so what? What does it mean for us, right? Yeah. Now, they've got a tool that will help you diagnose why your ads are coming or not coming up, right? Mm -hmm. Now, so it'll do things like identify problems preventing campaigns from showing, causing low engagement, making it hard to measure conversions and more. So, this is really good because this happens quite a lot. Like, oh, why aren't my ads converting or why isn't this happening? Now, I will sort of say, though, it actually, if your campaign is running and people are seeing your ads and clicking to the landing page, then there'll be no diagnostic issues to report on. But what it will tell you, okay, this is why maybe you're not getting any engagement. This is why maybe you're not getting clicks. Maybe your landing page is down or something is broken or, or something of that nature. So I still think it's helpful. At first, I got really excited because I thought, oh, it's going to tell me like the landing page sucks and that it's, it's, it's not that. So the, the word diagnostic insights is not as comprehensive as we think mm. but still it's still really important it will give you count status billing status policy review conversion tracking budget so that's often half of the problem yeah so, nice yeah. so it'll, it won't report on ads that are performing fine yeah exactly so if your ads are getting click-throughs and actually not converting it's not going to tell you shit it's yeah. not going to tell you that it will just tell you oh okay why aren't people getting there yeah cool yeah. awesome good stuff Cool. What's the next one, Tash? All right. Our next uh, buzz is leading technology and data-driven customer experience company Merkle released its quarterly performance media report last week. Turns out that 57% of respondents indicated an increase in paid search spend year on year. Yeah. So this is interesting. So they, Merkle, put out this thing on not only ad spend, what's happening, but also inflation mm -hmm. and automation as well. So there's a lot to unpack here. So actually what we're, we're finding is 
inflation is actually driving faster adoption of machine learning. Okay. So more and more businesses actually are diving into this. And it kind of makes sense because two reasons. One, there is what the article talks about. There's a lot of pressure for businesses to be a lot more data-driven, mm-hmm. right? So they want to be a lot more data-driven than they used to. But also, if the companies are having trouble hiring people, yeah. they think machine learning can solve it for them. Okay. Like, well, if we can't hire people and we can't, you know, do optimizations that we could in the past, let's let yeah. machine learning take care of it. I think we have to be a little bit careful because machines aren't going to solve everything. They're not going to solve your creative. We know one of the biggest factors in ads, particularly, you know, social ads, is the amount of creative you have. Yeah. So if you've got shit ads, the machine learning is just going to give you the, the least worst shit that comes out. But it is interesting that that's happening. Um yeah, and there was another thing too. Forty-one percent of respondents are beginning to take action on automation and mm. machine learning. So, specifically, automation has many yeah. things, right? So, I know I'm talking about automation on the paid side, but yeah. automation is a lot more than that, obviously, Tash. Yeah, no, I've actually got a lot of experience with obviously marketing automation and HubSpot, and to to this point, I have seen in multiple instances where people, and this is not like a person's replaced, but the role is replaced of you know data filtering or data sorting using automations and an algorithm that basically says, if then, then do this. So the person that was spending, you know, a year in their role doing data cleansing or analyzing can now focus on, you know, selling to more qualified people because the the automations are taking control over that monotonous, you know, boring work that, um, you know, a good integration or some good code can do for you. Yeah. And I mean, if, hey, you might lose work for some people. Yeah. yeah. But honestly, like that's up to them to upskill then. Exactly. You know what I mean? So like just doing those tasks, those low value tasks, I think this is also a reminder that doing those admin type of commodity type of uh, tasks, you know, they're not that valuable anymore. So yeah, yeah you're right. Either they, they can spend time on more strategic things or, you know, upskill. That's just the nature of work, I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. So I, I th- this whole topic is quite interesting. Like Inc. recently, and we'll link this in the show notes. Uh, what episode is this? This is 119. 119. So au forward slash EP 119 if you want to see Tasha's face and my face. One of those is better looking than the others. It's Tasha's. But, um, <laughs> Thanks, mate. But yeah, so if you, want to check, if you want to check out the video version, of course, any show notes or anything we mentioned, definitely go there. Um, but Inc. Uh, recently released an article talking about the fact that obviously there's all this talk of uh, inflation and the impact of you know Russia and everything that's happening with commodity markets right now. And But, but businesses aren't as worried. Like they feel that they're a lot more prepared. Yep. Because of COVID. Yeah. Because COVID actually weeded out a lot of inefficient businesses mm-hmm. and people who weren't able to adapt with the times. They've actually already fallen off. Yeah. And it, and I noticed this with us. Like, we've definitely adapted, changed our business model and a lot of our clients as well. Yeah. They're like our education clients, they went into online learning a lot faster and, and, and those things and like self-selection tools online. Yeah, you had to. You had Otherwise to. Otherwise, you got left behind. So, for some reason, if you're still around and you mm. didn't then, yeah. <laughs> then you're definitely dying now. Like, you have to innovate now, yeah. right? But um, th- they also talk about two factors that are, have actually really helped businesses that feel quite, you know, confident. And one of them was raising prices and the mm-hmm. second one was building brand equity. Yeah. So, raising prices, that's definitely something that I'm not sure if we mentioned this in the previous show, but we definitely did. We've increased our prices yeah. for all of our clients. And the way we did it was two, three months beforehand, we actually sent a notice. So funnily enough, our CFO was telling me today that she spoke to some of our clients and she's, one of the clients was talking about the fact that, oh, yeah, you know, I'm getting it from everywhere. But the difference was why our conversation was easier. We told them three months before. Yeah. 
I, I got an uh, email from Iron Williams the other day. Yep. And they're like, oh, we're increasing our prices on 4th yep. of July. And I got it on the 4th of July. I yeah, had the same thing with uh, my kids' childcare two weeks ago. Fees are going up and, you know, they gave us some, ad, you know, plenty of warning, but it's everywhere. Everywhere you go, it, it's there. It's yeah. a bit different in childcare, you know, they're looking after your kid. So they only gave you two weeks notice? It was two weeks, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. It's better than nothing, but I've worked in child, as you know, I've worked in childcare before and I know the uh, implications childcare fees rising can have and, you know, she yeah. gets great care, I'm not going to complain. But yeah, th- those costs have gone up everywhere. So if it's too late and you have to increase your costs, you've got to increase your costs. It might be too late to go back three months in time, but the advice that... Uh, you know, one of our business partners gave us and it worked really well was letting people know ahead of time yeah. because they have had three months to digest it and ours is not much as, as a bill shock as everyone else yep. who's only been giving them one month. Uh, and the second thing is brand, building brand equity. Now, this is it's a bit of a fluffy piece of advice, but honestly, it is true. It's building your brand, building awareness. That's why we've got two podcasts. That's why we put out so much content. I'm not going to talk too much about that because it is so fluffy, but they're two things that brands are finding that have worked really well during recessions. And I've I've done a video on this in the past, back in 2020 when COVID hit, that brands that build, like actually increase their expenditure to build their brands during recessions are the ones that really Keep get going. Yeah, get a lot stronger when we come out. Yeah, I love that. Um, cool. Okay, so the final one. Yes, the final one? our final buzz is a new report from SEMrush reveals searches related to small businesses are on the rise. What does this mean, Mobs? Yeah, so they did a report, uh, SEMrush did a report, and they were looking at searches related to small businesses, and they mm-hmm. picked up on a couple of trends that I found interesting. So one was that the businesses, uh, a lot of businesses are looking, particularly small businesses actually, this is all small business, they're looking for trends and tactics. So searches for trends and tactics has just spiked. Yep. The other thing that searches for digital marketing services has surged by 1,500%, which is, I guess, great for us, a digital marketing yep. company. Um, and interest in short, and this is something, I know we sound like a broken record on this show, but mm. we talk about TikTok, we talk about, it's not TikTok, that's not the thing. It's snackable content, it's snackable yep. video. Like, this show is going to be cut up into like, you know, four or five snippets, right? Yeah. So, a, a, there's a lot of interest there, and I'm glad that we kind of jumped on this trend a little bit earlier, but... The interest in creating short videos for small businesses grew by 420%. Yeah. And uh, 600% more people were looking up text message marketing in 2022 than 2018. I might get you to talk on that because yeah. I know you've noticed some trends. It's funny because in 2018 is probably when I really jumped on the bandwagon of text message marketing with my clients through HubSpot, of course. Um, and since then, it's like we have clients coming to us left, right and center wanting to do more text message marketing because the open rates are almost 100%. Uh, with that said, don't put links in your text message marketing. It looks spammy. People won't open them. So it's it's always got to be directing them somewhere. So if it's going to say, you know, jump on this offer, head to our website to learn more, no links. But, yeah, people are loving that stuff right now. And you can, with something like a HubSpot, you can personalize those messages. So use first names and different types of personalization. And, yeah, it's working really well. We're seeing good results. Perfect. Well, that is a great segue mm-hmm. for our featured interview today with yourself. So. Tash, you have God knows how many certifications. Wow. You're an accredited HubSpot. I'm going to embarrass you here now. You're an accredited <laughs> HubSpot trainer, trained by HubSpot. You led the rollout of Red Pandas becoming a preferred agency who not only gets referrals from HubSpot. So, you know, a lot of agencies get referrals from HubSpot. But HubSpot will offer customers will pay HubSpot and then HubSpot will give us the work. So, HubSpot's actually paying us to do their work. So, that's obviously a, a, a division that you've led. Um, uh, and you lead the, you're the main organizer for the HubSpot user group Sydney as well. So it's safe to say I can ask you a few questions about HubSpot and marketing automation to say the least. 
Of course. Thank you, Mamie. That is very She's nice trying of you. To embarrass her. Yeah, you are. You are. I can't really. I'm a little bit, I'm slightly colorblind, so I can't tell when people are reds, but you guys will have to tell me. I've got blush on, so you can't tell. You but can't um, tell. no, that's really kind of you. And those certifications are all up for renewal. So everyone knows I need to renew them. Otherwise, I won't hold on to that title. Oh, pressure. Yes, but the pressure is on. I'm making sure everyone keeps me accountable to it. Yeah, yeah cool. thank you. Cool, cool. Awesome. So we'll get straight into it. So this is a bit of a high level question to start. Um, and I noticed because obviously we are, there's more months in a year where we're recruiting or not. So I get to speak to a lot of young people, a lot of young marketers. And I guess this probably, you know, might be with a lot of older people too who are transitioning into marketing. And um, they say something that's very, very reasonable when they first get into digital marketing. And that's, I'm just starting and I'm just looking to find generalist skills right now. Because most people understand in digital marketing, you have social, you have automation, right? Mm. You've got email marketing, you've got, you know, uh, SEO, paid me. There's so many different divisions, right? And then you've got like B2C influence. It's crazy. So what they want to do is they just want to start as a generalist and they want to figure out where they want to go. So I guess my question for you, Tash, because I've seen your journey as a start of a marketer to, you know, what you've developed into now. How and why did you choose to specialize in marketing automation? Yeah, good question. Um, I guess in a way, I because I started in childcare and it was me doing marketing and sales and there were so many follow-ups and touch points and new offers to parents and reminders of tours and, you know, wait lists, en enrollments, all that type of There were so many touch points and I was manually doing everything myself with a spreadsheet. And when someone introduced, when you introduced the CRM to me, it was like, what? Something, this this can be automated, like just a basic process of hey, don't forget your tour is coming up tomorrow at 4 p.m. can be automated and then you can automate a follow-up saying, we hope you enjoyed your tour. Here's the link to your enrollment package. And that then, like, first of all, took the load off of me to remember to email these people, but then, then streamlined and smoothed the whole process of enrolling and following up enrollments. When I saw that power, I was like, oh, God, I've got so much more time to there's do. There's something in this. There's yeah. something in this. I've got more time to do more and to make it stronger and more powerful and then really kind of, I was using HubSpot at the time, absolutely blown away with the support that they gave me back then. And I was comparing it to Infusionsoft back then, which had no support. Which is now Keep, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about them, to be honest. But I had oh, that's, that was my comparison. And I was, like, I was inundated with the support from HubSpot, like live chat, calls, uh, messages, the blogs. And that started the bandwagon. Yeah, cool. Awesome. So you touched on it a little bit, just to go back a step for anyone uninitiated, what is HubSpot? How would you explain yeah, it? Yeah, of course. Uh, it is a, I think it, look, it started off as a marketing automation tool. That's where they first started. Um, and naturally a CRM connected to it. So when people came in through your marketing efforts, like a form or a landing page, or it was just that, that was all there was back then, um, you would store their email and their name and just some other data about them in the CRM. And then as time went past and the software evolved, it's now this robust software of sales tools, uh, marketing tools, service tools, so service hub, like, like a you know, service ticketing requests. Um, it's a CMS, so it can host websites, it can build websites. It's got the operations hub that's come around. Uh, yeah, it's just this, it's this massive piece of software which really enables and powers the single customer view. That's probably the main thing. Yeah, got you. Everything can be in one place. It's the idea of removing all the unnecessary tech and bringing it into one place. Got you. So it's got the sales tools with the CRM and how yep. a salesperson would use a CRM, but then the marketing tools as well. Yep. You know, email marketing. And I, I, we'll get into that a little bit as well. On the, the CRM side, mm. 
how would you answer this question? Like, why is HubSpot better than a spreadsheet? Like, you know, why can't a salesperson <laughs> just put all their contacts in a spreadsheet and then send some calendar in? So why is it better? Than yeah, a look, sure. A salesperson can do that if they want. Like, oh, you know, they really want to do that. Go ahead. If you want to deal with all the admin of having to find a row and then update a row and that not being up to date and then having to share that spreadsheet with someone else every two or three days, go ahead. But the idea of a CRM, especially a cloud-based CRM, is that no matter where you are in the world or what device you are on, anyone can access it. Anyone can see what that particular maybe deal or customer or client, prospect, whatever you want to call it, is up to, whether they're in a sales journey, a post-sales journey, uh, prior to a sales journey, anyone can see everything and then deliver the contextualized experience to that person. And uh, yeah, again, leave those notes there and it's all it's all in the one place mode. Yeah, and it you said integrates, that before, single customer view. Yeah, that single customer yeah. view. Like I can't talk about it enough and it's it's so accessible for everyone anywhere and it removes that um, that call from, you know, the managing director or the, uh, the, sa the sa senior sales manager saying, what are we up to with this deal or this lead or this prospect? Go to the CRM, look at this report widget that I've built you and you'll be able to see everything you need to in two seconds. So give an example of single customer view, like what you would see as opposed to a spreadsheet, like, you know, whether they interacted with a page or an yeah. ad or, yeah. So give, with HubSpot, um, this is even just with the free version. Obviously, the more you pay, the more function you get and the more data you get. But even just with the free version, when you drop your HubSpot tracking code onto your website and someone converts on a landing page or a form, uh, all of the analytics then, if that person's accepted, obviously, the cookie uh, tracking, all that analytics as to what pages they viewed, how long they've spent on certain pages, what links they've clicked, is all stored on their customer record. So when I go onto the customer's record or the client's record in HubSpot and I'm a sales rep and I want to talk to someone or I want to start prospecting and see who I want to talk to, I can filter based off of people that have been active on my website maybe in the last seven days and then start calling them. Now, you're not going to call them and say, I see, I see you've been on the website and you've viewed this page, but you know that they've been thinking or looking or wondering about you. Mm, they so, know they've looked at this product. Exactly. So then you can sort of ask some product. questions that are more informed. Or if yeah. they've spent more time on a certain page versus another page, giving, giving reps and marketing teams more data. We talked about data-driven stuff before. So like more data to make better informed, you know, selling and marketing decisions, you know, instead of just... Let's just pick out of a lucky hat, you know, what campaign we're going to run or what we're going to try and sell this month. No, let's focus on what the data is telling us. And HubSpot allows you to do that. And it's single customer view because everyone in the team, different op like different operations of the teams, departments can come in and all see that in the one place and, you know, united make those decisions together. Yeah. And I, I think you pretty much answered my next question too because I was going to say, you know, it is expensive. Yes. And why wouldn't you want to like just stitch together a bunch of tools that's much cheaper, like a MailChimp and, you know, like forms because you get free website forms yep. with WordPress. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but I guess the, I guess the question is, you know, it's it's so expensive. Like, can't you just stitch together a bunch of tools? But you talked about some custom view, how you lose that then. Yeah, you do. And like I've, I have been in portals or I've, I have met clients that have stitched tools together and the, the, the sheer um, complexities of trying to understand a basic email automation is is crazy, and it shouldn't be. It should it should be simple. You shouldn't have to spend more than five ten minutes. If you know the strategy of a campaign, you shouldn't have to spend more than ten minutes building the landing page for it. And something like a HubSpot marketing suite of tools takes all of that like uh, unnecessary noise and complexities away from it. 
and it's got the single customer view and all that other stuff in there. So yeah, it, it is expensive, hands down, but there are many options for your budget. And for and I did want to mention that um and like I don't obviously I I don't get comms, I kind of do, but HubSpot CMS free was released a couple of weeks ago. So that's the content management system. Yes, it'll say powered by HubSpot, but if you are on a budget and you need somewhere to host and build your website, HubSpot now offers to that audience. So not only could you have the free HubSpot CMS, you could have free CRM, free sales tools and free marketing tools. You could essentially run all your all this stuff for free with HubSpot. Yes, it'll be branded HubSpot, but like, you know, they've got to get something out of it. And then the next level up is that starter, which is not too expensive. And when you start to see the return on the software and how much more data you have to make those better decisions, it pays its dividends there. Yeah. It's interesting too, like just, you know, reading between the lines of what you're saying there. I always say to business that we say this all the time, like HubSpot's great for Hub, HubSpot, but even if you don't want to use HubSpot using Salesforce or whatever, right? Each of their own, but you can't deny their marketing. Like there's mm. so much to learn just by observing them. Yep. Like if you're in software, like you said, like they have these freemium low entry points that scale with you. Yep. So of course, like, like you say, Tash, like, you know, if you want a free CRM, use a free CRM, like use HubSpot's one. A it's million easy. contacts for free. Yeah. Like you're never going to. And then like when you see the value, you're going to upgrade. So I really like that. But even yeah. their market, you might not be a software company, but I always say, we always say this to businesses, like they, they kind of invented the term inbound marketing. They yep. really didn't, right? They just put a freaking label on yeah, it yeah. like marketers <laughs> do. But the idea of inbound marketing and they created a certification around it. So they really lived and breathed what they do. Yes. Became educators, gave yep. certifications, gave out awards and we're constantly brands like do that, become a thought leader, become the Wikipedia. And HubSpot's a great case study for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, awesome. So, okay, let me um, let me get tactical for a moment. Let's get back to HubSpot. Yes. So, on the marketing automation side, yep. so HubSpot calls them workflows. I know yep. other systems call them other things. Let's get real tactical. Give me a couple of really effective marketing automation workflows that you like. So many, Moby. Uh, so many. And, like, you, you can create mammoth workflows. So, my first tip would be keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Have a goal for the workflow, whether it's sending an email or pushing them to a page, whatever it is, just have a goal and make sure that it, the workflow achieves that. The first one, though, I did take some notes down. The first one I wanted to share is a review us workflow. Oh, I love this one. Yeah. yeah. So um, however you want to enroll people into this workflow, it could be a list, it could be a form submission, it could be a deal close, uh, whatever it might be. But the idea is we send them an automated email which basically says, hey, how did you like your experience with us? And you has to, it has to be timed at the right point, of course, at the, sale, mm, at the, the buying journey. The moment journey. of truth. Yeah. Exactly, the moment of truth. So maybe it is for a particular client, it's like when they get their um, certific certificate of completing a course, for example, you know they're going to be at their most happiest. So send them that email saying, hey, how did you like us? How did you enjoy your time with us? Um, we've had clients do different types of like, um, what do you call them? keys in the page, whether it's smiley faces or one to 10 or just worded. Or but, stars. Yeah. Or stars. That's it. Yeah. I really like the smiley face one. For me, it's just, it's, it kind of ticks that emotive box and, you know, I can relate to it, but it's like, you know, how would you rate us? Happy, medium or, or sad? And then we've done it in a way for clients that if they click happy, it goes to a landing page, which says, we're so happy you enjoyed your experience with us. Would you mind leaving us a Google review? And then another link, which then goes directly to the Google review platform. It even opens the box for them. And all they have to do is do five stars and leave a review or not leave a review up to them. We've had some clients gone from like one star ratings to 4.8 and like over 150 in 12 months. So like it's, that's been really effective. Mm, and I love it because it's on autopilot. Yeah. Because how many times like 
you know, businesses will like tell their salespeople or whatever, make sure you ask for a review. Yeah. But we don't. We get busy. We've got shit to do. Exactly. So this is putting on autopilot. I love yeah. that. Um, and then if they click, you know, anything other than the green, so the yellow or the red, it goes to another landing page, which basically says, we're sorry that you didn't receive, you know, the, the best service or the best experience that we would have hoped you'd have. We then have a HubSpot form in that page. It says, if you'd like, leave us um, some feedback and we will, and, and whether or not you want to get in contact with us. And then we always say to our clients, if they said they want to be contacted, make sure you contact them. It's just the right Don't thing to do. Don't put it in a black hole. You actually do something with Exactly. Even if you just call them, appreciate, say we're, we're thankful for your feedback and we're going to put some processes in place to make some changes, that person's opinion has been heard and you're respecting them as a person and as a, as a customer because they did buy from you. They just weren't happy with the service. All right. And the other workflow that I really like, Moby, is the idea of an autoresponder after maybe a form submission or a, you know some type of conversion, whatever it might be, maybe a Facebook ad. And it's the idea that... When someone does that conversion, they're automatically sent an email with an animated GIF in the email body of maybe, you know, someone moving their hands or talking or smiling. Um, and it gives that customer of, uh, when they click that video, sorry, it goes to a landing page and it, the person talking is saying, this is what you can expect to happen now that you've, you know, filled in this form and you've maybe, maybe you booked in a meeting or whatever it might be. I love these ones. They work so well because they're personal, like they feel like they're personalized to the receiver and they are setting that expectation and the person getting it is like, okay, I know what's going on. And you know what, Mobs, they're building trust. You're building trust with that person straight away just by showing your face and putting it in that email. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So like the fail mark, the worst thing you can do is not have an autoresponder. Exactly. The okay, the pass mark is what a lot of businesses do, to be honest. Like, yep. you know, it's very common. You have an, like, you have an autoresponder, like, thank just you so email. much, we'll get yep. back to you. But what you're talking about, that's like excellent. That's yeah. high distinction. That's like yeah. setting yourself apart. You get an email. There's a gift there. There's a video and saying, hey, this is the process. This is what we're going to take. I love that. Yeah. Amazing. So um, I'll get to the tail end. So All one right. of my last questions is, so um, you've obviously you do sales training, you do HubSpot training, mm -hmm. and you've seen differences from very engaged sales reps to look there is there is a type there's definitely a type that you know old school kind of sales rep. i've always done it this way and yep. no one can tell me otherwise so you've had the most engaged to disengaged salespeople. Mm. i guess my question is like how do you get the stubborn people in line like how do you get them across and get them bought in that this is not like a big brother thing and this is the way of the future yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I've had a few of those. I can't say I've had too many. I've, I've been fortunate that most of the people I've trained or coached on HubSpot have been very open to using the software. Probably one one comes to mind. And um, that particular salesperson needed a lot more one-on-one -on -one time so that I could really show them the benefit of the tool and what uh, how much time it was going to save them in the long run. It wasn't just the tools though, Mobs. It's a, it's a culture change I found with, with people like that. The people that are too scared to open up and put all of their sales notes onto a customer record or a deal. It's not just about, oh, someone's going to, you know, look at everything I'm doing. Why would I want to do this? It's a, it's, that's a, that's a mentality shift. So I ended up like in, in a few instances, it was, a, it was quite radically candid coaching to basically say, this is the way sales are being done now. We are empowering our buyers and you keeping all the knowledge in your head is old school and it's not working. It's not going to keep working. Um, and I found that the, the hand holding on how to do things has been really helpful. 
and also really like nutting down their current process. And a lot of a lot of sales reps had like emails saved in their Outlook as like you know tasks or something notes or something like that. And when I showed them, they can put them in as templates in HubSpot and call on them in two minutes and use personalization tokens. They're like, holy crap, I can save so much time doing that. Yeah. Or when when they can get insights as to when someone opens their email, they get a little notification on their computer and then they can call the person straight away, like perfectly timed. And 90% of the time, the person you call says, oh my God, I was just looking at your email. And they're like, the power of that knowledge is what kind of gets them over the line. Yeah. The hardest part though is that sh- that mindset shift. So to get that light bulb moment, you show them, hey, look, it's going to save you time yeah. and it's just a matter of education because maybe they don't want to admit that they don't know stuff. So I like what you said there. You actually take the time to show them the tools, show them the value, show them examples. All right, love it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um. So I had one more question and that was really mm-hmm. just more about that's all everything to do with HubSpot. But and I think people will impre- appreciate this, you know, you know, the human side of, the, of this podcast sometimes. But for those of you who don't know, um, Tash, is, I think you were employee number one, the first person we hired. Uh, Red Pandas has been around a lot longer with you than without you. I think I think we were open for less than a year before you actually started. Mm. And I guess the question I have is like, what advice would you give to young, ambitious marketers who want to achieve something? And the reason why I say that is because like your story was you worked in childcare, you started at Red Pandas, uh, you moved up, you became an account manager. Now you're head of ops and head of Hub, uh, and uh, head of HubSpot as well. And obviously you're part of the leadership team as well. So obviously like there's things that you have done um, and without saying them, I want you to answer this. Mm. And I want you to just share some advice on, you know, other marketers or other young marketers who want to be ambitious and who yeah. want to, you know, move up and, and have these like these senior you know roles. What advice would you give to a young marketer or yourself maybe, you know, like yeah. when you started your career? Um, I think having a good mentor is important. Um, and I say that obviously because you helped me along the way. There, it wasn't all just me. You helped. Now this sounds staged. Now <laughs> I'm trying to embarrass no, you. This, this sounds staged. This is true. I won't spend too long on that. I won't spend too. Long. That's it. Get a good mentor. Right. Find someone that's willing to share help and be radically candid with you and push you and challenge you and maybe not agree with everything that you say. Find that person. Become indispensable or try to become indispensable. I used to have that. I, I have the attitude of no one is irreplaceable, but you should. Bloody work hard to be irreplaceable. So I'm in in my career, in every job I've had, I'd put in 120% to my boss or my leaders to keep showing my value and my worth and how the business runs better with me here. Obviously, as I'm getting older and more experienced, the value that I'm bringing is more and more and more because that's the nature of experience. So back then it was just, I worked hard. I worked really, really hard. I did long hours, long days. Any, no certif- any certification that there was available, I would do it. Any opportunity to shine or impress you, I would try. And that was that's what I wanted to do, right? I wanted you to be proud of me working for you. Um, mentoring, working hard. you got to put the extra effort in, you know what I mean? Like the job's nine to five, yeah, but all those certifications, they weren't, ac- they weren't acquired in work hours. They yeah. were acquired outside of work hours. The You touch on this as... Like looking at this, I think one thing observing you, you've always been like a learner, like a love of learning, yeah. like never. And I like this too because I'm like this, like I never think I've arrived. 
like right now, myself, you and Linda, like six o'clock every Wednesday morning, we're doing two hours of coaching every week for like six months. So yeah. like we don't believe that we've arrived. Like we're always yeah, learning. Yeah, you are so forever a student. So forever a student. As a quick side note, what would you then say to, because obviously we've all worked in places where we've been taken advantage of. I definitely have. Yep. So that's all well and good, working hard and yep. doing that. But then there are places that will take advantage of you. How would you... how? Like, how do you know that you're being taken advantage of if you're in a role and you'd like to work hard and whatever? And what would you do then? Yeah, it's a good question, Mobes. Because uh, it's been a long time since I've worked somewhere that I've been taken advantage of. Uh, working here is uh, awesome. And I've told you before, I've got no, no intention of going anywhere because I think, and you always say it, there's got to be a bilateral transfer of, is it goods? Value. Value. There you go. So uh, everything that I'm giving back into the business, I'm getting something back in return. You know, you wouldn't put me through, uh, Red Pandas wouldn't put me through this coaching, six-month coaching course to upskill me and make me an incredible communicator if there wasn't one, something in it for me, but something in it for them. So it's, I think it's important that wherever you are, you need to kind of, it's the pros and cons because there's going to be cons everywhere you go. There's going to be pros, but there needs to be an, a very equal balance on both uh, the employer and the employee as to what you are getting. And have those goals and then draw that, as you say, draw that line in the sand and work towards those goals and know when and if there's a time that needs an exit. So you might be somewhere for a certain, I wouldn't like put yourself in a bucket and say, oh, I'm only here for five years, but really kind of say, what can I get out of this role and yeah. then achieve that? I w previous roles where I, where I was every year, and it doesn't, it's not a negative thing if I was happy or not happy. You know, I would have set myself yearly contracts, mm. like my own, just myself, my own, like, and that, that was my line in the sand. So I get to that year and I think about, is that bilateral transfer of value still there? And then I have a conversation, yeah. you know. But anyway, Tash, I'll let you go. I mean, what you guys don't know is Tash is now going to jump off this podcast and jump into her podcast. A shout out to the Marketing Mentors, Tasha and Linda's podcast as well. You can find that on iTunes, Spotify, on our website as well. Linda so, and I have a lot of fun on that podcast. So you should just come and listen to us, have some fun. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> definitely check them out um, yeah, yeah, and find them wherever you find your podcast. And thanks for joining us for episode 119. And we'll see you again for another episode of Inbound Buzz. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.